Tell me you're glad that they're here tonight. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you all. Uh, tonight, I just want to remind you that here in just a few weeks, June 6th, 7th, and 8th, uh, Pastor Ken and Lynette Hagen are going to be with us uh, for uh, Living Faith Crusade. And uh, just encourage you to put that on your calendar uh, for all of those uh, mornings and nights. Bring someone with you. Uh, let them know. Uh, they're very excited, as Tasha said, very excited to be back uh, in Glenwood Springs and uh, looking forward to being here. So, um, praise the Lord. When God opens a door like that uh, for us in our valley, then we want to take advantage of that. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we've been given great opportunity uh, with many men and women of God that he's brought us into relationship with. And so we don't want to miss out on uh, those things that God has for us. Praise the Lord. I want to remind you once again of uh, Monday and Saturday night at 7 o'clock. We're praying with corporate prayer. And... Uh, Remind you of that as well as small groups if you're not involved in one uh, and can get involved. I encourage you to do that just for the support and joining together of the saints and uh, the prayer and uh, just the fellowship that you can have in that. Praise the Lord. If you weren't with us this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, if you're joining us uh, by live stream and uh, would like to join us in giving right now, it's just a powerful powerful thing that God has done uh, in equipping us and providing for us in generosity, that if we really acknowledge him in everything that we do, we acknowledge him with the first fruit of our increase, God opens up blessing to us in such a way that we're not able to contain it. And so really in the day that we're living in, uncertain times, God wants us to really understand uh, his system and be blessed. Amen. And so if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're given by cash or debit or credit card, um, the ushers will give you an envelope. Just raise your hand. They'll uh, be excited to give you an envelope. Um, if you're giving online uh, by text, the number is up there. You can give by the website or you can mail it in. Um, praise the Lord. We won't turn that down. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Every time we have an opportunity to give, to honor you, whether we're giving to a, a charitable organization, whether we're bringing it into the house of God, or you move in our heart to just bless someone, every opportunity that we have to give, we rejoice in that, that you have blessed our life, equipped us with generosity to give. Your word says that as we're generous to others, thanksgiving goes up to you that you are recognized, that you are thanked through our generosity. And God, that's what we want. Our life, our actions, our giving to bring praise and glory to you. So we thank you for this opportunity to give. We declare and command the blessings of the word of God upon each and every one that it will be given back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into their bosom. We thank you for all of your commands of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You can pass those buckets, and you can turn with me to Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke, the fifth chapter. We're going to jump in in the 17th verse. This has really just been our foundational text and will be uh, for a while. 
uh, as we uh, talk about healing on Sunday night. Praise the Lord. There's something about this middle section that is really scaring people off. If next Sunday you all will take a shower, that will be a great <laughs> blessing. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Praise the Lord. Um, we're just all spread out all over the place. Not your fault. Um, glory to God. Uh, as we have uh, begin to talk about healing and uh, the day and the time that we live in, the year that we have just gone through, certainly we understand through living through a pandemic of really what could come in a moment's time and really begin to spread. And uh, if we're not careful, we're not uh, cautious of what God has said and what Jesus has done for us, we can be caught off guard. And uh, really, I believe that in many senses, uh, you can disagree with me or not, many senses we were caught off guard. And then we're, we're really endeavoring to build our faith and catch our faith up. Or as I said last week, what, what somewhat caught me by surprise even here in the church is that, you know what, well, it's not that bad of a deal. We'll just get it. We'll get over with it and get on. But Lillian B. Oatman said something that really struck me at one point in time. She was a, a medical doctor, actually. She went through, uh, she was a medical doctor, served many, but the stresses of medical science, she ended up being addicted to narcotics and really almost died until she had a supernatural uh, healing from God and deliverance from God. But she studied medical science, and she made this statement. She said, sickness, just whatever it is, sickness is death begun. The standpoint that we just simply... Uh, turn a casual eye to any kind of sickness or disease, we really begin to open the door for the enemy to work in our life. The moment that we think really that, you know, medical science can really take care of it, they don't have all of the answers. They may have some things that help us along, but God is the one who created our body. God is the one who knows exactly how it works. Jesus bore stripes upon his back so that we might receive healing in our body. And we began to be casual about it, and certainly there's a, a broad spectrum of this. There's been different things that have happened and taken place uh, throughout uh, uh, time, but you know, many of you have been here long enough to know we were at a men's meeting at one uh, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. The pastor stood up. He made this statement. He said, a casual observance of what you know in the last days could cost you your life. And so the church, we become familiar, and this is rolled over and over uh, in me over the last few years. In fact, you know, I was wondering about it a couple of years ago and trying to figure it out just a little bit as we've been here, you know, for uh, uh, quite a long time. We've been here, uh, I've, I've been here almost 40 years in, in Glenwood Springs pastoring, um, almost 30 years, and, you know, wondering about things and, uh, you know, how, you know, you just, I put it like this, you can stand up and you just look out at people are hearing Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 wah. And so that we come on Sunday morning, but we're not hearing because the voice is so familiar. And then when we talk about healing, we begin to approach it. I begin to talk that we were, we were going to talk about healing and just something stirring in my heart, you know, that, that people are like, well, we've, you know, we've, we've heard healing before. But the moment we become familiar, so familiar with a, a subject or something, and we begin to be casual about it. We know that phrase that familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, that contempt means the lack of reverence for. And the moment, whether it's healing or any other aspect of God's word, that we lose a reverence for that word, that we forget that it is the holy written word of God, that what God has promised, God fully plans on performing it in our lives. But when God fully plans on performing it, we cannot grow weak in faith 
But as, as the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, Abraham consistently strengthened himself in faith. How? By giving glory to God, knowing that what God had promised, he was well able to to perform it. In other words, he didn't go, you know what? It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been 10 years. It's been 15 years. And I still have not seen this son of promise. No, in 10 years and 15 years, he glorified God and said, you promised a son and what you promised, you're well able to perform it. He didn't draw back. He dug in more and more to remind himself of what God had promised him. And guess what? God fully performed that which he promised. He brought forth Isaac. It says that in Hebrews, it says that we should not become sluggish in our faith, but that we should observe those who've gone before, who by faith and patience inherited the promise. And I believe that God has called us not only to walk in health and healing, but he's called us to be vessels and containers that we would carry the life and the power of God concerning healing, that just as the enemy has taken contagions of sickness and disease to bring death and destruction and limitations upon people's lives, God has equipped us, the body of Christ, with a contagious life-giving force called healing and healing power. But just as all of a sudden a contagion arises and we begin to say, you know what, we have to step back, we have to be cautious, don't breathe on me, don't touch me because you have something that's contagious, we need to understand how contagion works and say, listen, I am contagious with the life of God. I am contagious with the healing power of God. I believe in what Jesus has done and I will not stand back, but I will speak the word of God that all of the Tiny particles of that word will come and go into your ears and become part of you. So unless you mask your ears, it'll go in and start to work. And if we get within six feet of each other, that we might lay hands on you. That that healing power would get on your body. See, the enemy caught on to what God was doing to bring health to one another, and he flipped it and started to bring death. And the church went, oh, my God, what is this? And God said, wait, it's a perversion of what I planned. I planned on you getting close and transferring health and healing and strength as my body. We can't just sit and wait for things to happen, and if they do or if they don't, we have to be active. We have to make our faith communicable. We have to acknowledge fervently and with intensity every good thing that is in us in Christ. And part of what is in us in Christ is the healing power of God that has been released towards us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. And if we acknowledge it, it becomes communicable to those around us. If we just say, you know what, we'll just close our ears, close our eyes, isolate ourselves, it will keep you from being contagious and keep you from catching healing. 
All you have to do is take everything we learn about the virus that would kill you and flip it and know that God has life that he wants to spread throughout his body and throughout the community. And as active as people got on one side or the other, I mean, everything got stirred up. We, the church, be good to just stir some stuff up. Whether you're on one side or the other, just get stirred up. Because <laughs> God's doing something. Praise the Lord. And we have to be careful as the body of Christ. We know in the last days the Antichrist. We know the Antichrist spirit is here saying Antichrist. But most of us say, no, I'm not that. But we have to be careful of that instead of Christ's spirit. I began to replace some time and some efforts and some thoughts instead of him. But if we diligently seek him, as Jonathan was saying, if we diligently put our hearts towards him, we diligently understand how the power and the anointing of God works. If we diligently begin to open our ears to what God is saying about the price that was paid on the cross concerning our physical bodies, and we settle for nothing less than the best. Alan's been talking about our financial condition. He says, listen, why would you settle for something less? And as we begin to look at everything that Jesus purchased for us, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, or financially, we have to look and say, have I settled for less than what the blood of Jesus has provided for me? Have I found my comfort zone? Have I found where I'm good enough financially? We feel okay financially. Because if you do, just go ahead and throw that away and say, listen, there's millions of dollars that I could give. Yeah, but I don't need to. I'm comfortable. But he could actually say, I want you to be beyond comfortable. I want you to believe beyond that so you can give more than you've ever given. I think he'd like to start a scramble, get you scrambling to keep up with how much he's bringing in to give it away. But if you wait to see how much comes in before you can give it away... It won't ever happen. The moment you start sowing and it starts coming in, how am I going to keep up with that? Because the opportunities are there. Which for this commercial message, I just remembered, and I told them that I, I would do this. You all have the table tonight too, right? Where is she? I had it this morning. I forgot. We got all caught up in Mother's Day. Anyway. Uh, they may or may not be out there, but just remember, be praying for Skylark School, the opportunity that God would have you to give to help them remodel uh, the old schoolhouse in Newcastle uh, and involve yourself in that and uh, make sure that we continue to see Christian education. There's an, a number of different schools and, and, and homeschool. I know that you're, uh, many of you are schooling your kids. There's Liberty Christian Academy. Right now, uh, you know, it's just been in our hearts as they came to us. They needed somewhere to meet and, and needed to have that or they would... that. Uh, area that school Christian education would go down and so we have an opportunity to connect ourselves with that and so uh, you can get involved and get excited uh, about being able to give ask God just say you know what I want to give maybe my one-time biggest gift God I'm just going to believe you 
command the devil to take his hands off God's money, send the angels out to bring the money in. And then you got, you're just moving in faith with God. So whether it's giving, whether emotionally you have distress, whether you've been bound by something else, to begin to open our ears to the word of God, pay attention, press in. As they say, lean in to what God is saying right now. Right now is the time to lean into what God is saying, not after things begin to happen, not after I'm overwhelmed, not after sickness and disease has attacked itself to my body, not after I don't uh, financially things are going the opposite direction, but right now, no matter if you're in your comfort zone or not, you and I can break our comfort zone. We can begin to say, God, you are more than enough. God, you have something bigger and higher. You didn't ordain for me to just get comfortable. You brought me to this place so you could take me somewhere higher and somewhere farther. Where is it? Well, I don't know. It seemed like I I worked so hard to get here, and this is where I thought I was going to get. Well, right now, for many of us that have been here like 30 years, 29 years, and we've said, man, this is where we were going for. It's time to, to recycle, re, renew vision. Not say, man, this was our vision and we made it. Because right now, if we made it, there's something more that he has. Something more that he wants us to see. Right? Paid for and more doesn't mean, phew, we're paid for now we cruise. Paid for and more says there's probably something else to do. Someone else to help. Another work to plant something else, so that we can extend our faith, so that we're living every day by faith. If you're in a comfort zone and you you say you're living, you're not living by faith. Every day we live by faith. Every day we believe God for something, somewhere that Jesus has provided for us. We believe for an aspect of salvation because there's no other name. Doesn't matter where it's coming from, doesn't matter uh, uh, what investment you have, it doesn't matter what, how your family's doing or what you're thinking about or who you're looking to. There's no other name under heaven by which men should be saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prosper. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. And if that's all you ever had, come on, we sing about it all the time. If that's all you ever had, if everything else was stripped away, But Jesus, what would it look like? Would you have more than enough? Come on. Sometimes when we have other things surrounding us and padding it, it's easy to sing you're more than enough. But all of a sudden when that gets stripped away, we're like, "Ah, what happened? It's not enough. Well, sure it is. He's more than enough. Sometimes those things just need to get stripped away for us to realize it's okay. He's more than enough. So when it comes to healing or deliverance or whatever it is, the same principles apply. That we come together, where any two or three are gathered together, he's right there in the midst of us. Right here tonight, I don't know what your need is, but the power of God is present right here right now to meet you for whatever you need changed. Luke chapter 5. 
So I feel like you're just trying to get us stirred up. How perceptive you are. I want to get you stirred up. I want to get you thinking. I want to get you thinking again. I know many of you, uh, you know, have gone through different stages as, uh, as you grow spiritually, but I want to get us stirred up again that we're, our antennas are up when we're out there and we start to talk to people again. You know, you, you can actually talk to people again. You can engage with people again. Aha. And there's, you know, how's it going? Well, you know, this is going on or that's going on or have this ache or this pain or something's happened. That's something our antennas are up to say, listen, I'm carrying something. And if you'll allow me to, I just want to pray for you. And you stretch forth your hand and you are counting on the fact that the power of God that's present with you will be transferred to them. That we'll begin to see that these signs do follow them that believe. That they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That healing is for today. We're going to cover it. It's going to take a few weeks. If you were taught that healing has gone away uh, and faded away with the last apostle, we'll, we'll show you that it wasn't. Because we see just the regular people in the body of Christ praying and seeing people healed, even in the Bible. Not just the apostles. People who caught a hold of it. God wants to see his people whole. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Once again, if you haven't yet, highlight it, underline that. We want to break that down and understand that. Right there, they were all there. The Pharisees and the teachers, those who taught the law, they knew the Bible inside out. They knew what the Bible said about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals them. But they were too caught up and distracted in Jesus talking about who he was, the Son of God, to realize even the presence of God in their midst. But that didn't take away from the fact that his power was present right there right then not it doesn't say not for what was about to happen to the guy that wasn't there yet right it doesn't say that it doesn't say the power of god was present to heal the guy that i'm about to tell you about it's making a point to tell us something that the power of god can be present in a room The power of God can be present in a room and not one person experience that power. How can that happen? Because you have to do something to experience the power that's present. I have to do something to experience the power that's present. And so even in the fact that, you know, in the day that we live in, the time, there's been different times that we've heard that and we, we look at that and we want to praise and worship and call in the presence of God. We want to be, uh, you know, a few years ago when the purpose-driven church was there, some people were talking about everything had to have purpose. And so that got over, you know, we get to extremes. And so somebody said, well, we don't just want to be all about purpose. We want to be about presence. But at the same time, we can be about presence, and his presence can be here, and his power can be here. And at the same time, you don't get anything from the presence and the power of God. And we'd ask that question, why? 
Because the power can be present and you not even recognize it or know it because you're not actually tapping into that power through faith in God. You're distracted. They didn't know how often, how many stories, if you just go through the Gospels, how many people were around. Jesus, the healer, people were thronging him, wondering what he was there for, why he was doing stuff. They were hoping to get something and him to do something. Yet, we see people coming out of nowhere in the midst of the crowd, touching the hem of his garment, crying out in faith, Jesus stopping in the presence of the crowd because somehow they knew the power for them was present right there, something that all the throngs did not know. People coming to see a show, people coming to be a part of the crowd, what was happening in the day, missing the very point of what was right there for them. The presence of God and the outpouring of the Spirit is even upon us and coming in a greater measure. And God doesn't want us sitting by and saying, when it gets stirred up enough to where I really know that it's stirred up, I'll get in. He says, no, you can be the catalyst for what I'm doing right now. You can begin to tap into what I'm doing right now. You can begin to realize that my power is present for you right now and begin to tap into it. Or wait until the right minister comes and the right expectation and the right meeting comes. But then you'll experience it in a meeting. But then what happens when you leave the meeting? God wants us to experience something that we begin to learn how to tap into and that we begin to understand that we are light bearers and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that his presence would go with us. And wherever his presence is, his power resides. And wouldn't it be something to realize, not in a haughty, I'm not talking about haughty or arrogant, that's not where it is, but in humble boldness to know that beyond me, the Spirit of God dwells in me, that his presence goes wherever I go. And when his presence is there, his power is present with him. And that same power for life is living on the inside of me. And I carry it wherever I go. So I have an expectation. I have my antennas up. Sometimes it won't work because people aren't ready to tap into the presence of God. They don't even know what's going on. But when somebody senses, and I sense that something is needed, I am aware and bold to know that the power is present with me right now to do something that will glorify God in someone else. All right, somewhere I got to get back to my notes. Verse 18, then behold, men brought on a, uh, on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. They could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd. I like these guys. Well, guess we might as well just go home. Can't even get in. These people won't let anybody in. No, they didn't say, well, too much of a crowd. People don't care if we get in, we don't get in. How rude are those people? They're blocking the door. They don't even know we have important business. They don't even know our friend is here. These are just a bunch of rude people. They could have, I mean, seriously, these guys could have gone away offended. Seriously offended. And never received anything. But they went, you know, the door seems to be blocked. Somewhere, one of those four guys had an idea. 
Seems like many, maybe when they were a teenager, they had done this before. Right? We don't think about it. We think about our, our pitch, tile, roofs, and all that stuff. But they had roof and roof places, and where Jesus most likely was was in the courtyard of that home where they had roofs, but it was more tile roofing. It was where the sun could get in. Sometimes it was cloth over top of it that, the, that could get in. Sometimes it was tiling, and they said, listen, we can't get in there, but I know what room he's probably in. I'll just bet you we'll just go up there. We'll pull that roof off, and we'll lower him in. Now, I know it sounds more dramatic. It sounds more dramatic for them to have a chainsaw up there cutting through a roof like we have. That, that's really faith. I mean, if they just had to pull off a few tiles, that was easy. That's not really faith. But if they were up there during Jesus' meeting, and dust is flying everywhere, and finally the roof falls in, surprise. That really probably wasn't the setting. It was probably something where they came up in their courtyards right there, and they brought him up on the roof, and they pulled that off, which had been pulled off before for different reasons, but it wasn't super heavy, but it was pulled off. But still, they were going beyond the crowd. They were going beyond the distraction. It was a little bit more important for them to get in the presence of Jesus. When they pulled off that tiling and lowered him through and Jesus looked up, he saw something that always impresses Jesus. You want to impress Jesus? Have faith in him. Not just what you know about him. Have faith in him. Fully believing that he's able to do exactly what his word says he's already done. Always, you read it everywhere in the gospel. When they had faith in Jesus, it impressed Jesus. When the centurion had faith, he said, listen, all you have to do is speak the word. All you have to do is speak the word. Jesus' jaw dropped. Said he marveled. That's all that is. Marvel is just... That's it. He just went... He looked at his disciples with his jaw dropped. They hadn't seen that. They had never seen that. They saw the look on his face and he went... They're looking like, Wow. He's marveling right now. And he said, he looked at them who had been following him, who had said, we have faith in you. We believe that you're the son of God. We believe that you're setting up your kingdom here. We believe that you're the Messiah. And he said, I've not found so great a faith in this centurion, not even in you guys. Now, in the church today, most people would say, we're going to another church. Can't believe you said that. Who is this centurion? And you say, we don't have, we've been following you around. We are your disciples, and you tell us that. Oh, he wasn't trying to put them down. He was trying to lift them up. He was trying to say, guys, did you just hear what I heard? Did you just hear what I heard? You've been walking with me, and you've been seeing everybody say, come, 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 come. And we've been going. He said, this guy took it to a whole new level. I said I would come. Did you watch that? Did you hear? Were you watching? I said, I'll come and heal him. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't need to come to my house. 
You just have to speak the word. My servant will be made whole. And Jesus went, wow. Did you hear that, boys? Did you hear that? They're thinking, hear what? He said, this is great faith right here. Here's somebody who gets it. Stopped him. We read last week, blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10. He's crying out. Son of David, have mercy on me. His faith is crying out. Jesus stops right there and says, bring this man to me. The one thing that impresses Jesus throughout the Gospels is not people's status, not their position, not whether they're too low or whether they're too high. What impresses him and stops him in a moment's time, no matter what's going on, is someone's faith. You want to get Jesus' attention? Truly dive down into your heart and get faith. Call on him with your heart full of faith. And watch what starts to happen. All right, I need to get, I need to get busy here. We're running out of time. Supposed to be talking about healing. Um, and I am. It's just kind of a roundabout way. Praise the Lord. Verse 19. And then when they could not find a, a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and they let him down with this bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he, had saw, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive, uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he immediately got up. Listen, you can debate all you want about what's going on, but when the power of God is present, somebody who taps into it is going to get something. I mean, they tried to talk this guy out of his healing and talk Jesus out of healing him. Who do you think you are saying you forget, can forgive sin? Jesus said, listen, if you don't like that, I'll just tell him to get up. Right? Jesus wasn't moved by them. Jesus isn't moved by circumstances. Jesus isn't moved by what other people would say about your situation. Jesus is moved by our faith. And that's how they tapped into the power of God. The moment that Jesus saw their faith, he knew power was going to be tapped into. The power present in that room, he knew something was happening because he saw their faith and he knew the power was present. And when that faith came in contact with the power of God, something always happens. They are the undefeatable team, faith and the power of God. They're the undefeatable team. And so if we know that the power of God can be present and we not tap into it, then we have to really begin to know and, and begin to stir our faith up once again. And again, not by rote, not just getting the scriptures that we've known before and just saying them as if they were already downloaded in our mind into a loop or a tape, but begin to stir ourselves once again. That's one of the reasons why I like different translations. And man, you know, 
Pastor Tasha has, I don't know how many translations she has. So she'll all of a sudden be reading and go, this is from such and such a translation. I'm like, I never even heard of that translation. Oh, yeah, it's this translation. Where did you find that? I don't even know where she finds some of those translations. But it's awesome sometimes to just get out of your regular translation and get into some other translation so it says it just a little bit differently to stir off and to break that, just that loop that rolls that's not by faith. It just rolls. But all of a sudden, start again and start anew and get stirred up anew to that by his stripes I was healed. What does that mean? How does that stir on the inside of me? What does it mean that he took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses? What does it mean if he took them? If he already took them, what am I taking them for? What am I accepting them for? He already took them. He already bore them. He already bore the penalty. He already paid the price. Why am I paying the price? Why am I suffering with it if he already suffered with it? I can ask those questions and then dive in and say, God, give me the answer. And I can tell you that his answer will be that you shouldn't be suffering with it. And that his power is present to heal. And we're saying that not for anybody to walk away and go, well, I guess I just don't have faith then. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't just go, well, I guess I don't. Say, listen, I'm just going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to look into it. I'm going to continue. I'm not going to let anything stop me from having what Jesus' blood purchased for me. I'm not going to give in and I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to get an attitude that says, well, I just, okay, well, somebody else has more faith. No, don't do that. Please, I plead with you, don't do that. That's a strategy of the enemy. We might not be where we want to be, but you don't give up. Well, I've done everything I know to do. Well, great, stay with it. Because there's a place where your faith is going to grow to where it's not just saying that you believe. It's not just listening to the same scripture over and over. It's going to get down and say, wow, I get it now. That is something that I now see that the believing of it moves me to some act of obedience. And when I take that act of obedience, the grace meets me at that act of obedience and my obedience, my faith going full scale, not just to saying I believe it, not just to listening to the word over and over again, not just in quoting the word 150 times daily, but now I've heard it and I've received it into my heart and I begin to say it over and over and over again, but it becomes part of me that the way that I act and the way that I respond and the way that I think causes me to make an action that's been different in moving towards God. And that action that I make that's different because it's faith in God. It's not what I've come up with. It's not my idea. It springs forth out of the word that says there's something that I want you to do that you've been resisting. You thought if I just listen more, if I just confess more, and you know that you get to that place of if I just confess more, if I just listen more, if I, oh, I have to do something. And we'll go through it. It may be, oh man, I have to call the elders of the church. And confess a sin. That ain't happening. I'll just tell you right now. That ain't happening. All right. And you're going to have trouble finding 
the grace of healing to meet you. Because it'll meet you right there. The word of God says it'll meet you right there. James chapter 5 says it'll meet you right there. He said, when you're sick in your body, call on the elders of the church. Well, can't the elders of the church call on me? I mean, what's going on here? They're the ones that should know. They should call on me. They should come visit me. I'm not doing away with that, but it doesn't say that in the Bible. we got people who are getting offended over and over because the elders didn't call them. But it doesn't say that. We have people calling. We will come visit in the hospital anytime. That's not what I'm saying. But for some people, God's saying, don't get offended that they don't call you. Call them. But see, we know when we call them, what that scripture means is I'm going to have to tell them some stuff. Where was I? Oh, I know. Devil won't silence me. <laughs> Before that, thank you for listening. Praise the Lord. But we know when we call on the elders of the church, maybe I'm going to have to. But he says, listen, when you come with that heart, that humility of heart, he says you'll go ahead and lay it out before them. They'll pray for you with faith and anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, I'm just going to believe God for my healing. Well, that's what we say. I just believe God. I'm not calling the elders of the church. I just believe God. But if you actually come to the point of going, oh, I know exactly what it's called. The woman in the church. I haven't had this happen very often, just to totally be honest with you. Um, James chapter 5 is not really part of what we hear a lot when we talk about healing and healing anointing and stuff like that. So I did not instigate this or anything. Somebody called me, so they had a... They, God told them to meet with me. So we make an appointment. She comes in. She opens James chapter 5. She tells me some things about her life. She said, I've been asking God to get free and healed of this thing that has hindered my life. And I asked God, and he said, this is the only way that you're going to get healed of that. So she came into my office, and she told me the story of where she had been in her life, what God had told her to confess to the elders of the church. We took a bottle of oil, and we anointed her and prayed for her the prayer of faith. The next day, she was absolutely free. Three months later, the enemy started messing with her again. And people said, oh, you got you to gotta go. You got you to gotta get somebody to minister to you. And she said, no. God told me if I went in and saw Pastor Mark confessed and he anointed me with oil, I would be healed. I'm not going in. I'm standing on that. Five days later, it stopped. It's not come back. She's been totally free. Come on. It's not anything that I did. She was stirring. She was asking. And God had done a, a ton of things in her life. 
And she came to that point and confessed and was believing God and, and, and confessing what had got her to that point. And there was something of obedience that God brought to her. And her faith brought her, no matter what the situation, how it felt, how it might feel to sit in front of your pastor and say those things. She let all that aside and said, my healing is more important. My testimony that God's told me is more important. I'll stand there with all humility. Not as a formula, but in obedience to God. And God met her right there. I can tell you he met her right there. I know the anointing. I love being in those moments, especially when I don't have anything to do with it. God's just moving. I'm just, I get to be there. I got to, just as she's obeying God, lay hands on her and feel the anointing bring healing into her life. When there's that place of faith and knowing the will of God that will meet us there. And there's a process of expectation to manifestation. So if you're not there yet, don't say, well, i got to wait until I have an action. That's not what I'm saying. Wherever you are, God will meet you there. She started her journey of faith, and God did tremendous things. But she was, had grown to a place, and it was something critical to set her absolutely free. And she knew that God was speaking to her. But before that, she had believed that she received, and she had received some things. But she came to a point. The woman with the issue of blood... She had to come to that point of saying, I've got to get to the hem of his garment. We might ask, why? Why Why couldn't Jesus, if he went by her house, why couldn't he have stopped in and visited? Why couldn't her friends gone and said, hey, Jesus, she's in there, and she's really in bad shape, and the doctors told her she's going to die. Would you go in and, and just give her a visit? I don't know why all that didn't happen, but she said within herself, within herself, after she'd heard about Jesus, she said within herself, if I could just get to touch the hem of his garment, I'll go through whatever I need to go through. I don't care if people kick me around on the ground. I don't care if they push me aside. They can't stop me. I'm getting to the hem of his garment. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people do. I don't care what television shows on. I don't care who's playing tonight. I'm getting to Jesus. When you get a tenacity of faith like that, I don't care who's telling me to shut up. I don't care who can't see what I can't. Even though I'm blind, I know who's coming. Half of you can't even see. Praise the Lord. And so there's struggles sometimes that we come into and we want to build our faith. I've said this. If you've gone to Bible school, you know this by, by heart. You re, you've read the book. F.F. Bosworth said in Christ the Healer that faith begins where the will of God is known and the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. And so often we don't know exactly what God's will is concerning healing power. Turn over to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Exodus chapter 15. And we talk about this to know what, what is God's will concerning sickness and disease. Something I learned a long time ago, if you really want to know God's overriding will for something, look at the beginning of the book, the middle of the book, and the end of the book. 
There's a lot that happened between the middle and the end, but in the very beginning, when God created man, before the, he fell into sin, we see no sign, we see no trace at all in Adam and Eve of any sickness or any disease. None. They fell into sin, and we start to see records of things that are going on. We see sickness and disease. We see things happening. We see enemies of God arise, and God dealing with his enemies. But Jesus came to the earth, and Jesus lived about 33 and a half years, and not one day is it recorded that Jesus had so much as a common cold. He wasn't sick at all. But what he did do is he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And he is, the Bible says, he is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's person. That Jesus is the living, breathing, active expression of God's will for humanity. And he was never sick. And then when we get to sin being totally put away from, what flows in the pure river from the throne of God is life and health and healing. Between that, God is dealing with sinful and fallen man, working through to bring the reality of who he is and what he provided for them in creation. But you can find his will for mankind in the beginning, the middle, and the end. And after sin came and God made a covenant with people here in Exodus chapter 15, starting verse 26, and he said, and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And I've heard people say, see, you're using that scripture and saying God heals, and you'll go on to say that God heals everybody, but it says right here that God put this on the Egyptians. If you want to be classed with the enemies of God, feel free. Come on. You almost have to make an excuse that God puts sickness on people when you start to get into God's enemies. God's will for his people. We are his people. We're looking at God's will for his people, and his immediate response was, listen, I am, I want you to know that I am the Lord that heals you. That's his response. And we begin to think about this and say, well, you know what? I know the blood of Jesus came to give me eternal life so that I could go to heaven. But really, in redemption, in the atonement by Jesus' blood, in the redemptive work of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we have such faith that if we believe in that, we're going to heaven. In that same blood shed, there is healing that is provided. How do you believe God's word? All right, turn over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. He said, who has believed our report? I mean, there was a question back then. Who's going to believe our report? Whose report 
will you believe? You remember, some of you know the song. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. So we get that all mixed up sometimes. You know, we get to the point of, oh, I got a bad report from the doctor. And we just kind of go like little kids, man, 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 I didn't hear that. And we just deny it. Listen, we have a report from the doctor. But then we get into the word and we see a report and we begin to say, whose report will we believe? He said, who's believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He says, listen, he was going through all that, and we didn't recognize who he was. We didn't esteem him in our life as God. We thought, you know what? If you look at this crucifixion before you were saved, that doesn't make any sense. The cross doesn't make any sense. I mean, he must have done something really wrong to have that kind of death. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now listen, any, anybody who believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will take those scriptures and tell you over and over and over again that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, for your iniquity, for your transgression. That without accepting Jesus Christ in your life, you cannot have peace with God. They'll take those verses of atonement of Isaiah 53 and say, as a matter of fact, you need that right here, right now. If you're ever going to go to heaven, if you're ever going to be born again, you need to know that he took your transgression, he's forgiven you, he took your iniquities, he's washed you clean, and he paid the price for you to have a relationship with God. Yes and amen. Hallelujah. Shake the hanky. <laughs> but the next statement says, and by his stripes, you are healed. How did we get healing out of the atonement when it's right there? How do we get healing out of the atonement? Well, I didn't really get healing out of the atonement. I mean, it's for some people. God does whatever he wants. It's for some people. So, God's kind of doing a eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Well, no, no. God picks some people who are better. Well, that would do away with the blood. Well, I think they deserve it. Well, that would do away with the blood and grace. See, the enemy propagated that because whether it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether it's your salvation whether it's healing or anything else encompassed, well, yeah, I'm not going to say it's done away with, but he does it for some people and not for others. Well, how can you ever attach your faith to maybe I'm one? 
Maybe I'll win the lotto and be one of those that God has chosen. But that doesn't line up with Scripture. He died one time for everybody. One time for everybody. What he did for one, he did for all. If he died and bore stripes on his back for the healing of one, then he had to do it for all. Well, wait a minute. You say that. Why isn't everybody healed? I don't know. I can't answer that question. Can you answer why everyone doesn't get saved? Come on. We try to break it out. It affects our faith. What he did in totality and redemption, if we receive it as a finished work, spirit, soul, and body, and begin to tap into that and dig into it and see what he did and lay claim to it, come on, it'll change how you see salvation. It'll see how you change a change in your life and your conduct. Because that casual aspect of, well, I'm saved. I don't know if I'm healed. I don't know if the, the Spirit of God will empower my life, but I'm going to heaven. Listen, you won't pay attention to how you're living right here. You'll think you're helpless. But the moment you realize what he did for me on the cross, he did for me just like he did for anyone else. And I can rise to a place and live in the fullness of that if I'll just receive it. And to the level that I actually receive it and embrace it into my believing heart and then in my soul trust in it I will step into a place that I've not yet realized concerning the salvation of God I'll come up a level and experience life to a different level I'll experience victory in areas of my emotion and victories in area of my body and victories areas of my, my spirit man rising up and being fruitful That love and joy and peace and goodness start to really spring forth because I believe it's for here and now the life that I now live. I'm totally out of time and I don't know where I am in my notes. All right, real quick. 1 Peter 2.24. Jonathan is the reason for all of this. He got you all stirred up or something. Told you that you were Sunday night. You were committed. You were devoted. You were, you were special. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on, Mark. All right, listen, who himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. I mean, you believe that. Just about everybody who believes that Jesus is Lord will say that he died for our sin, that we might be made righteous, we might be forgiven of that sin. But Peter goes on, because he knows Isaiah 53, by whose stripes you were healed. Come on, it's in redemption. It's in the atonement. It's in the shedding of Jesus' blood, healing power. If you don't know that, if you think, well, I was just saved to get to heaven, but, I, oh, he did that for my healing? 
you can begin to say, man, if you did that, I'm going to start believing. I'm going to start accessing that which was done, that which was, which was paid for and sealed by your resurrection. The authority over it now is right there at the right hand of the Father. That faith in that calling on you and executing the authority that you have and have given us at the right hand of God to stand against sickness and disease is ours because it was paid for by your blood in the atonement and sealed in your resurrection. So it belongs to me. Sickness does not belong to me, but healing does. The blood of Jesus wasn't shed for me to be sick. The blood of Jesus was shed for me to be healed and whole. Why would we accept, well, this is just my sickness. This is just something I got. Well, Jesus didn't die for you to have that, but he did die for you to have healing. 103rd Psalm, this is it. I'll be done for the night. I'll leave you alone for the rest of the night. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone. It's always good to have a good nap. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. The one who who, (laughs) forgives all of my iniquities. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sin. Oh, next statement. Who heals all of my diseases. Who redeems my life from destruction. Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. When we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about God's mercy towards you. He redeemed you. He forgave you. We agree with all that. I believe the psalmist had it. God had the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to slip this right in. For everybody who believes in redemption and forgiveness, I'm just going to slip in healing so it doesn't get missed. Yet thousands of years later, it seems to just not be grabbed a hold of. But it's right here in the atonement, in the redemption that is ours through his blood, healing of the physical body. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and we glorify you. For you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. We thank you for paying the price for our health, our physical body. I thank you that right now, in this place, your power is present to heal. The Holy Spirit, you'll stir hearts as we continue on to grow in faith, to access that which is available in your presence, that not one would go away not receiving their healing, that it will build and it will build, and that understanding that we will become vessels ready to be used by you wherever we go, to bring healing power and deliverance and freedom. to go about and do good, to heal those who are oppressed of the enemy because you're with us. We thank you. We praise you. Father, we pray over this prayer cloth right now in the name of Jesus.
We thank you, God, as we've looked into your word tonight. We see those who've gone before us, who put everything else aside to touch the hem of your garment. Those who recorded that in your redemptive work and the shedding of your blood, that you bore those stripes in your back when you laid over that whipping post. Your body was so beaten it became unrecognizable that it was you. And you did it all for us. But you bore all that in your body that we might be healed. So we pray concerning the anointing, the power of God to saturate this cloth. And when it's laid upon their body, just as in Acts the 19th chapter, if you did it for them in the Acts the 19th chapter, you'll do it for people today, for you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. When it's brought to their body, that the anointing will go into their body, search out the very source and cause of sickness and disease, and bring healing to their mortal body. We thank you for that. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the anointing that was paid, the price that was paid for the anointing, the Spirit of God to come. And so we thank you, Lord. We look for a good report. We look for a good report. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, I don't, I don't want to leave without praying for the sick. Um, it's different tonight. If, if, you are, if you want prayer, raise your hand. And uh, somebody, if somebody's around you with their hand up, if you believe what we're talking about, uh, then you lay hands on somebody who has their hand up. Praise the Lord. This one here. Take just a moment. We'll have some different prayer lines as we go through these scriptures uh, and these sessions. But tonight, the Bible says these signs will follow. Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. And so we're counting on that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we stand in agreement. Those who are laying hands on the sick and those who are standing praying, that we come into agreement with your word, that you are the healer. We thank you right now that your power is present right now in this room because you are present here. Your power is present to heal. And so we're joining together as a church body where we may not have accessed that at this point, but we are standing together to access that healing power for those who are hurting, those who are infirmed, those whose bodies are weak, or those bodies that some manner of sickness and disease has attached itself to. And we declare and command healing power to flow into their bodies. Reconciling what has been done through sickness and disease and having to reconcile it with the work of the cross and redemption. That when it meets the blood of Jesus shed, sickness is healed. Disease is healed. Weakness is strengthened. Healing comes to the bones, to the joints, to the marrow, to the blood, 
to the heart, to the muscle, to the sinew, to the mind, to the vision, to the hearing, to the speaking. I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we declare and we thank you for healing bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we magnify you and we glorify you. For you are God. We worship you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you that you're working a healing and a cure, a supernatural cure. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. So be it. Glory to God. Glory to God. So no matter if you feel it in your body right now, you just continue to say, the moment hands were laid upon me, the power of God went in, and I was healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's working something. Praise the Lord. You, did, you didn't leave the day you got saved when you, you all of a sudden started being tempted and think, well, that didn't work. No. You said, I'm saved. And you continued in that salvation. Things started to change. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. And be dismissed. Make it a great week.